When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm Ben. We are joined with our super producer, Tyler Clang. Everybody say hi, Tyler. He's waving. He's waving to you. Uh, Let's have to take our word for it. I'll wave back. Okay, yeah, that's great. Uh, I have found... An interesting fact. Oh, right. okay. Please share. Okay. The Model T is the second most successful or popular car of all time. Wait, second most? Second. Why is it second? What? Okay, so um, let's think. What would be the most popular? I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, a an educated guess. I don't know what you're getting at here. All right, let's see. It's I'm, a tough one. I'm gonna guess the Volkswagen Beetle. Whoa, Scott. Is right? one. You that's nailed right. it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, very good. That was just uh, shot in the dark. But whoa. That's long, long production. I remember when we did mm-hmm. the uh, the Model T story. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. I probably ruined your surprise. You're probably hoping to surprise no, me. No, I'm but, super uh, impressed, well, actually. I mean, they, they've been in production for a long, long time. So uh, so that's the only logical choice, I think. But uh, what, 15 million on the Model T? So, Ben, do you have any, any numbers on the Volkswagen Beetle for us? 21.5 million, my friend. Wow. Impressive. Impressive. That's like, uh, is that 30% more? Something like that? It's a lot. It's, yeah. There are a lot of Beetles out there. A and, lot. And it's still surprising, I think, to a lot of people in the modern day to realize just how popular the Model T was because it's become almost a a legend in the automotive world. It's part of the Henry Ford mythology mm-hmm. and it's a car that people are – only used to seeing in museums, right? It seems that way, yeah, unless you're one of the fortunate ones that owns one of these, because there's still a lot of them around. Yeah. I mean, a ton of them around. You'll find them in all stages of uh, of uh, restoration, I guess. Um, you know, some parked in garages that are pristine and others that, you know, are daily drivers. <laughs> well, I don't know about daily drivers, maybe not, <laughs> uh, with a top speed of only, what, 40 miles an hour or something like that. Uh, 
not too practical these days, but you'll find some that, you know, of course, basket cases, and that's the ones that, you know, the people that want the pre-war cars are looking for, you know, the ones they can uh, restore themselves and, and make it their own baby, you know? Yeah, uh, and baby is a good word. I'm glad you used that. I have no children that I am aware of, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but the uh, the thing that we hear a lot about, you know, parenting, when you're when you're a new parent, you have to pay super close attention to everything. You have to be way more responsible than you were pre-kid, right? Yeah. And driving a Model T, or heck, even starting it. Remember when we did that podcast? Yeah, we did that podcast a while back. In fact, we did that back in August of 2009, mm-hmm. a podcast about starting and driving a Model T, and it was complex. Yeah, and dangerous, yeah, actually. Yeah. So it's driving a Model T, starting it, requires like the same level of attention that my friends who have kids tell me they have to pay to their kids. <laughs> I could understand that. It's a it's not an easy process and it's one we'll we'll step through it I guess one more time maybe. Sure. Uh not, you know, maybe to the the depth or the length that we did last time we talked about it probably. I don't remember that podcast exactly how long it was, but later we uh, in our later podcast we've been going a little longer than we did in our early days, right? True. This is back from 2009, so uh if you go back and listen to that one, you know, be kind I guess because uh <laughs> it was the early days of our show. Uh it might even be a high speed stuff show. I don't remember. Oh, wow. Could be. Deep cut. It could be, yeah. Anyways, but uh, there, this is all playing into something that, um, you know, we found it online or we were looking around for, you know, some topics for this week and uh, we came across an interesting experience that you can have. And uh, th- that's probably the best way to describe it. It's an experience. And you've heard a lot about, um, you know, sports car experiences. You can do like a rally car experience. In fact, I got a whole long list of, of types of experiences that you can have, you know, like a day at the track. Right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, well, you know, you can do stock car. You can do rally cars. There's even a place um, in the UK that does movie cars. You can drive a, a replica of Kit and the General Lee, and I think they had some others. Maybe like the Bullet Mustang or something like oh, that. That's cool. Um, there's stunt car experiences, which kind of surprised me. Of course, supercars and sports cars, exotics. You know, you can do tank driving if you wanted to. Yeah, here in Georgia, actually. Yeah, that's here. There's one here for you could do that. I think there are a few around the world that you can do that. Um, you can do off-road segways if you want to. Uh, there's drifting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even a semi-truck that you can drive. And I think this one is also in the UK. Um, it's the Optimus Prime American truck driving experience. How cool would that be? That is cool. It sounds really cool. There's hovercraft driving experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just – there's a ton of them. If you want to drive a Ford GT40, you can do that as well. Um, let's see what else. Oh, there's oh, – this is maybe one of the coolest ones and, and for young drivers. Mm-hmm. There's something called the Young Driver Experience, again, in the U.K. It's by a company called U.K. Wide, and anyone between the ages of 10 to 17 can drive an actual car on their simulated road track. And they've got all these different layouts, like lots of different structures and, and you know, items that you have to um, adhere to, you know, like road road rules yeah. that the kids have to adhere to. But it's like an, a primer for them, an early primer for them. Uh, for actual driving, and they get to drive actual cars while their parents watch from a safe dis- distance away. <laughs> but uh, I guess it's you know wildly popular. A lot of people do this because it's good experience. Sure. And um, again, just all these you can any kind of race car you can imagine. 
Um, there's a lot of different experiences, but this is probably one of the most unique ones that I've ever heard of. Yes, and this comes to us courtesy of the Gilmore Car Museum in Michigan. Yeah, Hickory Corners, Michigan, to be specific, and uh, that's right near Kalamazoo. I think it's uh, north and west of Kalamazoo, if I remember right. Um, but this was started. This is a museum that we've talked about in the past, just mm-hmm. just in passing. Uh, it, it is a uh, it's an incredible museum, really. If you get on the site and look around again, Gilmore Car Museum. Uh, this place has 90 acres of property, and the the car display area alone in this property, 189,000 square feet. They have 400 cars that they have on display. So, 400 is that's getting that's approaching the number of cars that you know that GM. Um, I forget what they call it, the GM Experience or something uh-huh. like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is close to the number of cars that General Motors has kind of tucked away over the years. So it's an enormous collection. And these go across the spectrum. They include motorcycles as well, but they have Duesenbergs, Hudsons, they have all these classics from the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. Uh, they even have early cars from the 1890s, and they have some Fords. Yeah, a few Fords, right? Mm-hmm. A few that we'll talk about in just a minute. They've got, on this property too, they've got partner museums, you know, 90 acres, that's a lot of property. So mm-hmm. um, it's this enormous compound. They have uh, partner, partner museums, like there's a miniature museum that's on the property as well. I think there's others. There's a gas station, a diner that's been fully restored. There's barns, mm-hmm. all kinds of structures. And these Model Ts that you speak of, Ben, I guess they have a whole fleet of Model T vehicles. Now, we, we had said earlier, I think, I don't know if we mentioned the dates for the Model T, but wasn't it 1908 to 1927, I think, that they were built? Yeah. So it's a long time period, a long time frame. And again, 15 million of these. So you know, it's no surprise that a place like the Gilmore would end up with a, a pretty substantial collection. You know, it's a, it's, it's a favorite among collectors, really, sure. of pre-war cars. I know that there are other more prestigious makes out there, and people, you know, often seek out you know, vehicles of a certain, uh, a certain mark. But uh, a lot of people are really fascinated by the Model T and just its simplicity and, of course, what it means to, um, you know, not only American history but also to just automotive history mm-hmm. in general. It's, mm-hmm. It was a, a groundbreaking vehicle. Um, not just here in the United States, but all over the world, really. Right. And it's I, I would say it's even more than just automotive history. It's very much every Model T that you ever see in person is in a very real way a tangible piece of a revolution. Yeah, we're talking about cars that are now – some of them are over 100 years old. And it's just impressive to me that you know somebody has taken the loving care to keep them on the road and, and drivable. And again, this museum, this Gilmore Museum, has a fleet of these cars that they are doing something extraordinary with. There is a I'll, – I'll just let the cat out of the bag here, Ben. There is a – and I'm sure everybody knows this already. There's a Model T driving experience that you can pay for and attend at this at this Gilmore Museum. And you have to register and sign up for it. We'll tell you all about that in just a minute. But they allow just kind of ordinary people like you and me mm-hmm. to go there and take this four-hour course – um, it's about $105, I think, if you want to sign up for this course. And, uh, you know, they give you all, all sorts of things. We'll talk about the specifics of what they give you and what they teach you while you're there. But isn't that incredible? You can go and get your hands on a car that might be over 100 years old, and they let you drive it around the property. There's, you know, two and a half miles of track, of, mm-hmm. of, of experienced track that they allow you to drive on uh, that, that simulates, you know, different environments, I guess, you know, different uh, – um, Types of roads right, that you yeah. can travel on, but um, what a fascinating idea to kind of turn over these museum pieces to again just ordinary people. Which it, it also seems odd that it would happen. 
you know, to me, that was something that always seemed outside of the realm of possibility. I would think that, again, just your everyday car fan would have to know someone who has a privately owned Model T and a heck of a lot of faith in your driving ability for a museum to let any licensed driver, because that's all you need, folks. All you need is a driver's license. Mm-hmm. For a museum to let any licensed driver sign up for this is amazing. I didn't know about it until you told me. And you can, since we're laying cats out of bags, just want to be clear. This thing has limited space and it sells out fast. But I think it's worth your time to register, especially if you are anywhere near uh, – Anywhere near the museum. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it seems like, okay, I just have to ask you a question. It's kind of not really a side note, but this is related for Wait sure. On me. Don't you think that this, uh, this is kind of a bucket list item for a lot of car guys and car girls? I mean, if you're interested in the automobile, you might have always looked at the Model T as something you wanted to attempt to try. And as right. you said, you know, you'd have to know somebody and somebody that would trust you in order to be able to drive that, right? Or maybe you never really had much you know, thought about it, but think like, that's ah, just another thing to kind of check off the list. Like I've done this, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's interesting and it's not like driving a regular car. It's, it's completely different. You have to remember as we get to, uh, you know, the controls, we'll talk about those too, but the controls are not standardized controls. It's not, you know, this is pre, um, well, I just said it's pre-standardized controls for yeah. the automobile. So, you know, the gas isn't always on the, the right and the uh, brake on the left. It's not that way. Uh, this is completely different. So learning to drive one, learning to start one is really an accomplishment. Yes, yes. And do check out our previous episode if you plan to start a Model T. And Scott, actually, for anyone who's a fan of Scott's writing, Scott, you wrote a blog post on this that goes into the detail of what – do you do you remember this? It must have been a long time ago. <laughs> I haven't blog posted in a long time. Well, you, you, write, a, you write a great step-by-step. Oh, uh, a step-by-step instruction on how to on the process of starting a Model T. So what what I think we, we could do here today is talk a little bit about how to start it and then spend some time on how to <laughs> – how to correctly drive it because as you said, <laughs> this is um, – this is not standardized at all. We're oh. talking three pedals – the steering wheel's a whole thing. No, absolutely. Yeah, there's more. There's far more to this. The controls we'll go over in just a second. I wanted to. I wanted to catch up one thing with the registration, and that's it. And then we'll move on to the controls. Uh, we were talking about going to uh, their site. You know, the uh, the Gilmore Museum site, uh-huh. and they've got a you know register here online. You know, uh, link that you can click on, and it tells you you know like the dates of the of the classes and everything. That stretches from. April through September of 2018 now. I think the courses are over for this year, for 2017. Mm-hmm. But if you want to get in on this for 2018, you still have the opportunity. And again, there, right now, as of today, there was only one sold-out class. And I don't know why it was already sold out. It's kind of in the middle of things. Mm-hmm. There must be some special weekend, a holiday or Maybe something. Maybe a group win. It, oh, that's possible, yeah, because, uh, again, these spots fill up quick. I don't remember exactly how many people are in each class. I'll have to have to dig into that a little more. But it's not a giant class by any means. But you're paired off with an instructor. 
and uh, they, they will then uh, teach you a lot of different things. They'll teach you how to use all the controls. They'll teach you uh, like hand and foot coordination because that's going to be an, a key huge. element in this. Yeah. Proper shifting techniques, how to stop the vehicle, which is in itself difficult. Um, correct use of the neutral brake lever, which we'll describe in a minute. <laughs> uh, reversing, which oh, reversing is something else too. And just basic starting, you know, a basic starting of the vehicle really. So um, I, I think that they said that the instructors will handle the the hand cranking of the car if you if you want that to happen because um, as you mentioned Ben earlier that's a dangerous operation you can break a thumb you can break a uh, forearm I believe yeah in, in the cranking process let's let's talk about that just briefly sure and I'm totally plagiarizing your fantastic blog here <laughs> thank you don't get don't get too far wait yourself. wait wait did I say I said thank you right I, yeah I guess uh, <laughs> uh, that's okay and thank you <laughs> okay okay awesome yeah. great sure. uh, so. You have it categorized in three, quote-unquote, easy steps uh, to start a Ford Model T, right? Oh, three. Uh-huh. Wow, I must really condense things. I, yeah, I think – well, tell me what you think. All right. So we're starting a Model T. Sure. Pull the choke, which is adjacent to the right fender, while engaging the crank lever under the radiator at the front of the car, slowly turning it a quarter turn clockwise. This is to prime the carburetor, okay. right, with yeah. fuel. Yeah. And then you get into the car, insert the ignition key, turn the setting to either magneto or battery, adjust the timing stalk upward to retard the timing, Move the throttle stock downward slightly for an idle setting and pull back on the handbrake, which also places the car in neutral. Hmm. This is a lot. That's it? So no, far? no, there's one more. Yeah. <laughs> right? Easy yeah, peasy, right? Sure, yeah. Get out of the car. Go back to the front of the car. Use your left hand to crank the lever. This is where... This is where it's a real uh, it's possibility of injury. Yeah, it's critical that you do this step in the right way. If the engine backfires and the lever swings counterclockwise, your left arm is less likely to be broken. All right. Now, I heard a little tip on this. You're supposed to keep your thumb on the uh, on the top side of the crank, of the handle. Uh, and that prevents uh, breakage of the thumb and possibly of the forearm. Right. And so once you have that, and uh, this is really where the stakes are high – you're using your left hand to crank the lever. You've got your thumb on the top of the lever. Mm -hmm. Give it a vigorous half crank. And if the automotive gods smile upon you, <laughs> the engine should start. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a, what a process, huh? Yeah, it's I mean, a process. It is. It's a, it's, a, it's a complex process. Now, I mean, but it's a simple machine, though. That's the thing. This, mm -hmm. this is a really simple vehicle. It's a six-volt electric system. And uh, so this, I'm saying that like six volts comes from uh, the battery, of course. It goes from, well, from the distributor. Uh, that electricity is sent to these four coils then that are, are actually wooden boxes that are um, applied to the, I guess, what do you call the firewall or firewall? Mm -hmm. And um, those six or seven volts of electricity are then converted into 20,000 volts. And then that's what goes to the spark plugs. And that's what begins this whole process. And because it's a magneto system, you know, it's an e uh, magnets really on the flywheel. Yeah. Uh, once you get it cranked and going, it starts right up. And if you, that, it's based on the fact that you have everything adjusted the right way. You have all the levers in the right position, the hand, the handles in the right position. And we'll tell you about the controls here uh, after a word from our sponsor. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. 
Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. And we're back. Scott, I know while we were both looking into this, we consulted a lot of pictures and diagrams. And so uh, if if you are listening to this and you are not currently driving or if this interests you, uh, we would highly recommend checking out some of the awesome articles that will show you will visually depict this process. Yeah, it's a lot easier if you could do that or even watch a YouTube video of someone starting one of their own vehicles. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times those guys, though, I've been watching these about how to start and how to drive a Model T, and a lot of those guys will go into uh, a lot of detail. They'll explain mechanically what's happening as well. Uh, so it, it adds length to these. So all these, you know, start and drive videos are in, you know, from six or seven minutes up to about 17 minutes. So mm-hmm. you understand that it's it's a complicated process. It, it can be um, described either simply or or, or in a very, very uh, drawn-out way. Um, so, so kind of pick and choose what you watch online. But if you look at a diagram, you're going to see that there's a, a wooden box that sits on the uh, – actually, to begin with, it's a very simple interior. Yes. As you would imagine. Very, very simple. Um, really, only a couple of gauges. Uh, really, it's very, very simple. Uh, there's a gasoline adjustment. There's a throttle. There's, uh, you know, of course, a steering wheel and pedal set. There's a, a handbrake. Um, but, but on those, or in those areas, there are different things. You wouldn't expect the pedals to be where they are. Uh, there are three pedals and they're not what you think. The, the rightmost pedal is the foot brake and the middle pedal is the uh, reverse. That's the reverse gear. So uh, the, the left one, then you would think, well, that must be the clutch, right? There's got to be right. what's happening there because there's two speeds in a, in a, in a model, a, a model T rather. Yeah. And that's high and low. You would think that that 
leftmost pedal would be the clutch pedal, but it's actually the high-low speed control. I, you know, it's like one or the other. It's it's either forward or back. Um, low gears are all the way forward. High gears are in the middle, I guess, if you want to put it that way, back. There we go. Um, there's also an emergency brake and clutch release, which is on the left side of you, and it has three positions. So, uh, you know, to go rearward, you, um, if you have it pulled rearward, I should say, you know, with the handle in, uh, that means you're in neutral with the brake on. If it's in the middle position, that's neutral. If it's forward all the way, that's in the drive position. And that's when you can select the low and high gear with the left pedal. So you can see that this gets complicated really quickly. Yeah. In order to stop the car, uh, you need to put the car into neutral first and then apply the brakes. So it's not as simple as just pushing on the brake pedal or even popping it out of gear into neutral. You have to do two steps in order to brake the car. Every time it has to go to neutral. And then, of course, all the while this is happening, you're constantly adjusting uh, on the steering wheel, you're adjusting the gas and the spark. Now, the spark is something that, you know, that's either the, uh, to retard the engine or to advance the engine, and you're continually adjusting that based on your speed. That's on the left-hand side of the steering wheel. There's the gas control, which is, uh, if you want to think about it this way, that's kind of uh, your speed adjustment, really. Um, so it, down, if you pull it down towards you, that's faster. Push it up away from you, that is slower, and that's on the right-hand side of the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, later models uh, of a vehicle will not have that uh, wooden box. I think I mentioned the wooden box, or I started to anyways. It's actually the coil box inside the car, and, and you said it earlier, you switch this either to ba- uh, battery or magneto, depending yeah. on what you're, what's happening. I think for ba- uh, for starting, you have it on the battery selection, and uh, when you're running, it's actually switched to the magneto position where it's charging. So um, that it's a lever on the early, car, early vehicles. On later vehicles, they do have an actual turnkey ignition mm-hmm. um, th- that you have to switch to, you know, those positions as well, but um, that's a more standard looking vehicle, I guess, a slightly more standard. But uh, again, as I'm explaining this, I mean, you should understand that nothing is standardized again. It's it's not like you can jump into one and just automatically know how to do it. Someone, someone has to be kind of the keeper of knowledge and pass this along to others. And that's what this museum's doing. They've they've done that to the tune of what, 500 people Mm -hmm. in 2017 alone. One of the instructors, a guy named Jim Brand, Nine in his nineties, and drove Model Ts as a teenager in Dearborn. So this this is the kind of expertise and experience you're getting. Oh, right in Dearborn. So he was in the heart of uh, where Henry Ford was, you know, operating at the time. Mm-hmm. Interesting. He, he owned three Model Ts in high school, uh, and he said mainly because they were cheap. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, good reason, right? And he still has he still has his own uh, 1926 model. He drives it in parades and graduations and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but this is the kind of instructor you'll have, and you can you can get a taste of the stuff they'll teach you in that initial four-hour course. Uh, the whole experience includes three ride and observe opportunities and then three driving opportunities. Oh, wow. So you get a couple of shots at it, really. Yeah. Because I'm sure that there's some uh, some mistakes made in that first drive, probably. I mean, not a lot of people have that hand-eye coordination to be able to do that fluently, I guess, you know, when you first get behind the wheel. I, I'm, sure, I'm sure that that's a, a bit embarrassing. <laughs> I imagine so. I, I would bet the second one goes, you know, so-so, and then the third, by the third time, you probably got it. You probably understand how to do it, really. Yeah. So that's probably the uh, the reason behind having three separate times, so that you know that first time you don't feel like oh, I failed. That know, first I, time might just all be the learning curve. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it sure would. Here's what you get. So you luck out, and you're able to get in there before it sells out. The instructors will teach you how to use the spark and throttle control levers. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the stalks we talked about. How to coordinate hand and foot controls. 
the proper shifting techniques, stopping a vehicle, which as Scott, as Scott noted earlier, is not near as easy. All this stuff makes me think we have it so easy today as drivers. It really is. You, you know hop I mean? in, you turn the key, and that's about it, right? They'll also, yeah, they'll also teach you the correct use of the neutral brake lever. They'll teach you how to reverse the vehicle, and they will teach you how to start it. Yeah, and you might think, well, what do I, what do I get for you know attending this course? What do I get for my one hundred and five dollars outside of a couple of you know ride and drives? Yeah. Uh, so you get a little bit more than that for um, the, the same price. Now, again, I should say that I don't know if we said this. We're not really we're not affiliated with Gilmore in any way. And oh, right, we're, not, yeah. we're not trying to sell tour packages or anything like that. This is just fascinating to us. Mm-hmm. We just simply like this. It's it's so different, so unique. It's the as far as I know, it's the only one in the world that does something like this. And we don't know how long it will last either. Yeah, that's part of it. Uh, uh, they, I, they do have a, a full uh, calendar for 2018 that you can still sign up for. Yeah, but is it going to go beyond that? You never know. Who knows? We uh, yeah, we are not in any way making this an advertisement. We're just fanboying a little because. We think it's cool, and I don't know about you, Scott, but I, I had just this figured that I would never get an opportunity to drive a Model T. Well, I think you and probably nearly every other listener had thought the same thing, and that's a, that's a real possibility now at this place. I mean, you go and you pay your hundred and five bucks, and just like anybody else, you can get behind the wheel. Which it's, is, and and you you know how. Dude, I don't talk about it all the time, but you know how cheap I am, yeah. and this this is way the price is way more reasonable than i would have imagined yeah and as you said it's it's not just an experience where you get to drive a little bit and learn how to start stuff they include other things well you know okay they do have other things i I just wanted to talk about price for just one more second i had looked into the porsche driving experience here in atlanta recently and Mm -hmm. we were talking about you know maybe going there and doing some video shooting and stuff Uh like that if possible and we didn't even really get too deep into it because i found out some of the prices and and, you know they they go from anywhere about like 350 dollars and that's basement bargain i think you're i think you're just riding for that price up to you know eight hundred and fifty dollars, and I think they go north of that too. If you want to get you know even more super uh, training, VIP. And, exactly yeah. right. And uh, I think God, I was reading a lot about these experiences, and they said that you know one of the it's a it's a really useful tool for the local dealers to have this Porsche experience. And and what that means is there's a test track essentially for Porsche that's right outside of Atlanta. It's in uh, near the airport. You can check it out if you want to. Um, we'll probably talk about it in another podcast soon. But you're able to drive uh, pretty much anything in the fleet. I think they allow you just about anything. I know there's certain packages that allow certain vehicles, but um, they say it's an invaluable tool for dealers to be able to bring a person and allow them to drive, let's say, a you know Carrera Four uh, on the track, and then they find out that a lot of times when they allow them to do that and then drive a Carrera Four S, yeah, oftentimes the person that was going to buy the Carrera Four buys the 4S model. So it's an, a kind of an upsell opportunity for them sure. because they're really able to stretch that vehicle's legs, you know, test it out, see exactly how it would handle in a uh, in a track situation mm-hmm. versus like driving around the block, you know, for a, a test drive near the, uh, the dealership, dealership or something. Yeah. Um, it, again, they've put something like $100 million into this track outside of Atlanta, $100 million into this whole experience, which includes a museum and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But um, it's still worth it for them 
for the word of mouth that this creates and, and the opportunity that it presents for not only the dealers but the people of the area. You know, anybody who's interested in this, I'm sure they, they bring people in from farther away than just Atlanta. I know people, you know, fly in just specifically for that and then leave again. So, um, again, a valuable, valuable, valuable tool for them. And these experiences, I mean, don't, don't, uh, discount them too much. I think that, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're incredibly valuable to people. And, this is different. They're not trying to sell Model Ts in any way, but you know, this is more like again a bucket list thing. So, um, students after they, um, or I guess when they're signed up for this, they get a bunch of different things. It's not just you know you drive the car and that's it. You go home. Uh, first, you get a historian guided tour um, in portions of the museum collection with lessons on Henry Ford and how the Model T changed the world for people who, due to some great cosmic accident or injustice have not had the privilege of checking out our episodes on Henry Ford. Yeah, maybe they have amnesia. Maybe Dude. they forgot. You know, <laughs> I don't remember anything from five years ago. So, you know, go back and check it out. Why not? You also get a DVD of uh, vintage newsreel footage from the uh, the heyday of the Model T. Not bad. It's kind of fun to watch that. The old Model T's rolling off the assembly line and had some of the uh, some of those those factory conditions, you know, in the early yeah. Model T factories in Detroit. Some of that stuff is unbelievable. It's it's so different from what you see today with your robotic arms and all the safety zones and all that. It's not like that at all. This is uh, it's dangerous factory work, but really really cool to watch. And again, some running footage, I guess, of the, of the vehicles. So they also get a Model T driving book, which was produced exclusively for the Gilmore Car Museum. That'd be a nice thing to have mm-hmm. added to the shelf. And you get uh, admission for the whole day to the historic campus of the Gilmore Car Museum, and of course, you get a certificate of completion. So yep. people will believe you. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and here's a couple of things that uh, we should also mention, too. I mean, there's there's some important notes that you need to understand before you sign up for this. But you know what? First, let's take another word from our sponsor. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to 
bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. We have returned, and of course, there are always going to be some caveats, some concerns, some details, some fine print, mm-hmm. and this is all relatively reasonable. Uh, they say, yes, we still drive in the rain, just like they did in 1908, so dress for the weather. Yeah, yeah. Toughen up, Sally. That's what, that's what they're saying there, you know? It's like, uh, <laughs> what, is it is it insensitive of me to say, hitch up your skirt and get out here and start this vehicle like we used to in 1908? I don't, I, you know what, man? Can I say that? Um, Honestly? I guess it depends on the context, you I know? Guess, I guess so. I think in this case, they're they're calling you out. They're saying, uh, mm-hmm. you got to be a little tough, right? Yeah. That's, that's all it means. You just got to be tough. You got to be, uh, you got to be thick skinned like we were back in the uh, early... 20th century. In the aughts. Yeah, the and, aughts. Yeah, that's right. And then the uh, – well, yeah, and the idea is, of course, to keep the experience authentic, which means that, yeah, you'd be driving in the rain. And, yes, you have to start the vehicle. Yeah. Uh, wear shoes. I personally feel like that should go without saying. <laughs> Don't wear flip-flops or, or, or high heels or um, – yeah, well, you gotta wear, stocks gotta wear what they would call sensible shoes, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, like athletic shoes or something like that, because, and there's a good reason for this. Not only, you know, one, of course, you can't drive in high heels or something, probably not that easily. Uh, the other thing would be that, uh, the, you know, all those foot controls that we talked about, they're very close together. They're very narrow. So, uh, you gotta, you gotta remember that when you're trying to push that reverse pedal that's in the middle. You know, you might wanna, uh, consider your footwear and not wear, as you said, flip flops, high heels, sandals, anything like, wor- you know, like big work boots. Oh, really important point here. I think I may have misspoke earlier about starting the vehicle. They'll, yeah. they'll tell you how to do it. But I think when it comes to the actual cranking where someone can break their arm, yeah. I think they're leaving that to the instructors. Oh. Now, maybe if you're like the teacher's pet or you're an honor student or something and they look at you and they think, oh, this this is the best student I've ever had, maybe they'll let you Sneak crank one, but what if, probably not. I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> what, if, what if you're a, like a, an experienced pilot who uh, starts airplane engines that way? You know, like with the old uh, hand spin contact, yeah, 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 you yell yeah. out, contact! <laughs> Do it that way? Maybe, but if if you're that person already, then you're probably an instructor and not a student. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. You got a little mechanical... Um, Aptitude? Uh, yeah, I would say that's... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, uh, you know, it just sounds like a fun, fun thing. And it's not limited to... Um, I, I think we said that you have to be a licensed driver, but there's one interesting exception here, and I don't know how this happened. What's that? There was someone very young who took the course this year. Very young. So anybody out there listening who thinks like, well, man, i got to wait until I get my license. I can't wait to do this. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. And this might have been who knows? Maybe this was a favor called in or something. You'll have to contact the museum and find out. But oh, um, I think I know I think I think know who you're talking uh, about. I'm going to sound like an old guy. A youngster from Detroit was able to <laughs> pass the course. So uh, Alan Bennett from suburban Detroit was the youngest person ever to complete the class. Uh, uh, which, uh, of course, they noted during the ceremony, he's the youngest so far. 
this guy, Alan Bennett, is 12 years old. He completed the course. Yeah, his dad works for General Motors as well. Yeah, he's a designer for GM, and I guess they said that he was, you know, along with him for the day, cheering him on, taking photos, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And the kid thought it was really funny. He said, you know, I've only driven go-karts before this, but um, this is the first time I've driven a real car. And <laughs> Wow. That's pretty slick. I mean – a 12-year-old passing the course. That's interesting. So anybody, again, who's that age might want to check into it, might want to call first before you just show up you know, and expect to be able to drive. But uh, I don't know what the situation or the circumstances were around that. But I wonder what the oldest person to drive would be now because, you know, one of the instructors – 92. 92. Yeah. He's going to be 93 next year, I would assume, and during this uh, this course. So um, I wonder if there's anybody that's even older than that has, has taken the course. They don't, they don't mention anything about the oldest driver. But the youngest, again, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Something to shoot for, I guess. If you're a you know a ten year old, yeah, I uh, wanted to take this. You know, maybe you dream never know. big, yeah, dream big. Also, um, we do we do have the estimate on the class size. I think each class size is around two dozen people, mm-hmm. so about twenty four people. I right. wonder how many cars that means. So I, I, that's interesting. Uh, twenty four. It seems like a lot for you know three ride and drives and three three driving experiences, you know, where you're able to drive it yourself. So it'd be a lot of changing the seats, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, we said earlier they've got a full fleet of vehicles. So right. I don't think that that's a problem as long as they limit it to, what do you say, two dozen? Mm-hmm. As long as they limit it to that, I think, uh, you know, you still get your full time behind the wheel and, you know, the whole experience. And of course, that certificate, you know, the uh, the sign certificate that yeah. they get at the end, I'd, I'd frame that and put that on the wall. I love that sort of stuff, man. I, I really enjoy being certified for things. <laughs> I'm actually thinking of going and becoming a notary. Just <laughs> <laughs> certify yourself for all kinds of things. And, and you can have the, uh, the wall full of plaques, you know, like, That's uh, what like I want. people do yeah. with diplomas. But you'll find like it's uh, – I want like Model I'm, T, public I'm, notary. I'm MS Word certified. MS Word certified. <laughs> I have ridden a camel. That was the first license I ever got, man. What was that? A camel license. A camel license? I was a kid at a – uh, at a, I guess, seasonal amusement park in Tennessee that uh, some of you may recognize. I don't know. Uh, it's called Twitty City. Twitty City? Yeah. No Conway kidding. Twitty. Oh, and really? Tweety Bird for some reason. Now, you know, it, like it's a winter festival kind of thing, at least the way I remembered it. Yeah. And one of the cool things you could do was you could get certified to ride a camel, which if you're like – a kid, six or seven, what that essentially means is that someone puts you on a camel and like walks you in a circle and they take some money from your parents and then they give you a, a little paper license. Yeah. I was very proud Maybe of it. Maybe at the time of Polaroid photo or something like that, yeah. right? Yeah. I was power mad. I bet. You know what? Kids <laughs> kids love that. And I think that if you're a kid that really likes that kind of thing, you know, like when you – um uh, let's say the a sheriff visits your school and he gives you a, a deputy badge or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or, you know, you get some, um, a wings pinned on you for your first airline flight. There we go. Yeah. Kids love that stuff. And you know what? I think if you're a kid that, a kid that enjoys that, I think you become an adult that still enjoys that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, you still, like you said, with your certificates and, you know, wanting to just to get something to hang on the wall that says, you know, this is legit. I can legit, you know, I have a legit reason for doing this or I, I'm, uh, you, you know, I'm an authority in some way. What a cool, you know, what a cool surprise. And also, I have to, we would be remiss if we didn't read this one quote from Keith Mays, uh, who is from Kentwood, Michigan, and took the class recently. He says, at first, I was terrified, absolutely terrified that I was going to break something. But then you realize that these things were built bulletproof. You know, and I, mm-hmm. I could completely identify with that feeling. Okay, I understand that. But again, 
this is a car that's 100 years old. There's also a bit of delicateness to that. You know, I mean, it's it's not it's not that it's so fragile. It's just that you don't want to bump into a tree with this. You don't want to, uh, you know, grind the gears because you feel like, well, it's only got a few more of those left before I have to rebuild that. You know, that that's the kind of feeling that I would have, I think. I'd mm-hmm. want to be, you know, gentle with it enough that I didn't damage it during my time behind the wheel. <laughs> I'd be nervous <laughs> about that, you know. You'd feel you'd feel self-conscious about that kind of stuff, I think, wouldn't you? Yeah. But it, it's owned by the museum. It's not like it's, you know, the instructor's personal vehicle or anything like that. So, um, although, you know, the 92-year-old that we talked about, uh, what was his name? Jim Brand? Yeah. He does. I think he still owns one that he drives in parades. And, yeah, you know, the 1926 I, model. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he still owns that, that one for himself, but I don't think that's the one that the students are driving. Well, Ben, I think maybe we've uh, we've covered just about everything on this, really. So, if if people are interested in this, and seriously, it's a great gift for somebody. Yeah. Um, again, we're not selling them. We don't get any kind of kickback, so there's no car stuff, you know, discount or anything like that. I, pro- <laughs> I promise you. We wish. Uh, yeah, there isn't. Oh, you know what? I should say this: if you're a member of the Gilmore Car Museum, you might get a discount on the on the admission. So uh, you might want to check that out and see if you can get a discount on that. And the museum itself is very much worth the trip. Yeah, I don't have any idea how much it costs to become a member or any of that. I've, I've never been there. I'd like to go someday. Uh, but you can go to gilmorecarmuseum.org and find out all the information that we just talked about today, this this whole course. And again, what a cool gift that might be for someone to unwrap. You're going to the Model T experience at, uh, what was it, Hickory Corners, Michigan yeah. at the Gilmore Museum. That would be such a cool thing to open on Christmas Day or, you know, birthday or whatever. I just think it's a fun idea. Yeah, I agree. So if you are fortunate enough to find yourself in the area and you take the Model T driving experience, let us know. Let us know uh, how you felt driving those because one thing I hear a lot from people who have driven Model Ts is what the top speed is 40 miles per hour, I want to say. Yeah, 40. But apparently it feels a lot faster <laughs> when you're when you're uh, driving this cantankerous well, beast. It's mostly open air, right? right. I, mean, I think a lot of these that we're looking at have no tops on them and, you know, it's pretty – pretty spartan interior i bet it does feel pretty quick in that like you don't want to go any faster than 40 probably yeah right (laughs) so so write in let us know and even if you have experience with a model t but it's not part of the gilmore museum experience we we'd like to hear it especially if like oh if somebody restored one how cool would that be oh sure yeah i mean there are 15 million of them out there at least there were right i wonder how many are still left but a lot of them were crushed for you know metal during the war and Mm -hmm. stuff like that but uh you know there are a ton of them out there so we'd love to hear from you guys yeah there are a bunch hidden in barns and stuff oh and speaking of hearing from you scott i think it's time to return to a segment that we haven't done in a while oh what's that listener mail oh let's bring it on Okay, this email comes from Ed M. Ed M is writing to us uh, regarding our episode on boring cars hmm. from a design perspective. Oh, okay. Yeah, he said, I listen on Stitcher while I'm working. It's about boring cars. First, says Ed, I always say how impressed I am that car companies can make a product with thousands of moving parts, some with tolerances of thousandths of an inch. I got there. <laughs> uh, and that work and work for years under adverse conditions and are affordable and they get changed completely every few years. Having said that, I continue to think that it doesn't cost any more to design a beautiful car than a boring car. I tend to believe it's more of a bean counting decision that manufacturers want you to spend more to get the beautiful models on purpose. Pretty good point. Yeah. 
Additionally, says Ed, I think sometimes engineers might take the easy way out. For instance, I rented a Chevy Sonic for a week and never could figure out how it worked completely. After a week, I discovered the trip information could be reset if you push this, pulled that, and turned something else. Once, trying to put my car mug in the cup holder, I turned off the stability control because the button was in the middle of the console between the seats. The infotainment was incomprehensible and mostly invisible behind my arm while I drove. The reason I complain about this is because I've owned Hyundais and Kia, and for reasonably priced cars, they have coherent switchgear. The trip information is all together on the dash or on the steering wheel and the stability control and other such switches are grouped together also on the dash. If they can do it, Chevy can too. Anyway, that's my rant. All right. Now, a couple <laughs> of things. Now, I, I agree that sometimes it appears that they've taken the easy way out, but we talked about the um, the scarcity of real estate in cars sometimes, especially small cars. And especially as we have more and more onboard electronic uh, components. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not arguing with Ed in any way. I think he's right on a lot of these cases. I, I think you know they they could design something a little better, but you know they're going to save that for the uh, the upsell S model or you know the, the whatever it would be the, the top end right or yeah. the GT model. I'm I'm tempted now, to agree. Yeah. yeah, I think so. But the thing is, we learned also about tooling for these. You know, for uh, the metal shape. You know, the outside metal shape. If you put more bends, more curves, more um, interesting items onto a vehicle, you know, in- interesting to look at. I mean, an interesting uh, the way that they reflect light and all that, you know, the way they're curved and bent and, and shaped. Yeah. It's more complex. It's more expensive. And again, all these panels cost, in, you know, these these dies for the, the metal panels on the outside of the vehicle, they cost millions of dollars, each one, each panel. Mm-hmm. So, you know, make them simple is, is really simple. It's more cost effective, I guess, to create a simple die for that for that metal to stamp out in the way that it does. And I don't know... Um, you know what? The, I think a lot of you know the creases and stuff like that also have to do with again space concerns. Sure. You know you have to have a certain amount of room under the hood for the engine. And if you look at a lot of you know the small, tiny little economy cars, you know basic basic transportation, mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of extra room under the hood of those. In fact, the windshield practically starts at the front bumper on a lot of those vehicles, and they still get the engine and transaxle in there. Yeah. Because uh, it's a front-wheel drive car. Yeah. So, you know, again, it comes down to real estate. It comes down to cost, and I do, but, you know, I'm kind of on the fence about this a little bit, too, because it seems like they could add just a little bit more style to them. Sure. A little bit personality. Yeah, right? and I think they're getting, I think we did say this in the episode, that they're getting better. You know, some of the uh, some of the current hatchbacks and small cars that are, you know, economy cars, you know, they're ones that are real, just again, basic transportation. They're, they're a lot more interesting to look at than the cars that were built 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, although there's, a, you know, a group of people, I'm one of them that likes the boxy style from, you know, the mm-hmm. 70s and 80s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but even earlier than that sometimes. But, you know, they were so simple. They were so flat. They were so square. They just didn't put a lot of effort into their, their lowest of the line, the base model vehicles. Mm-hmm. And I think now they're doing a, a much better job with that. Do you think, Ben, that um, it comes down to more than just uh, more than just space concern. Do you think it is the engineers sometimes just taking the easy way out? Like, we'll just let's put that button there because it's simple. There's there's you know two square inches of space. We only need one. You know, are you, are you asking? Are you asking if I think some of them are like 4:30 p.m. on a Friday decisions? Yeah, I think. Yeah, you think that? You think it's like uh, kind of just a. Just put it there and it's done. Oh, careful, Scott. We got a lot of engineers I, in the audience. I know we do, and I'm not saying that's in every case. I, I think it occasionally happens. It has to, right? I think that could. I think that could happen in any industry. From what we what we looked at with our anonymous source, Mr. Car Designer, uh, what what we looked at really showed us how 
how much compromise goes into multiple departments working together to produce a car. Yeah. So I would be less – without being an automotive engineer myself, I would be less likely to just attribute something that was confusing or in my opinion poorly engineered or poorly designed. I'd be less likely to attribute that to laziness and more likely to attribute that to some kind of unfortunate compromise. Yeah, I think you're right. I, th- I think you're right also as well. I think there's a, a lot of cases where they say, well, okay, I've tried this switch in eight mm-hmm. spots already. And that caused a lot of trouble in every spot because, you know, the way that they do this with, you know, everybody working on the same model at the same time. Right. So, you know, conflicts are known instantly and, and they're loudly pointed out, you know, that you can't do that. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just a point where, well, well then where can I put it? Yeah. Where, where would you allow it? And, and they tell them and they say, well, then fine. That's where it has to be. And anybody involved in any sort of group work, if you're a student – Right now, and you're listening to this, I'm sure you are acquainted with the hazards of working in groups. And one of the things that happens is for every individual member of a group specializing in something, their thing that they're in charge of is automatically the most important thing to them. Mm -hmm. So they could probably care less in some cases over where a certain switch goes as long as it doesn't get in in the way of whatever they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. You know, yeah. I see that too. I mean, again, there's so many different ways to, to see this and you never know with every situation, but I think Ed's got a point, you know, that there are a couple of things that could be done a little bit better, you know, across the board, like, you know, the style, the design of, of a small vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, the, the appearance, the outward appearance of it. Totally. Um, but, you know, I think they do, they put out the best product they can. They want it to be appealing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't, but they don't want it to infringe upon, you know, the next model up, you know, the sales of that. They don't want to cannibalize the sales of their mid, uh, you know, mid-level model versus, or even the upper level models with their base model. It's a different group of people that they're, they're targeting with that vehicle. And I think maybe that's part of it too. No, I know we're running a little long, but I, I gotta tell you, and I think this is, a, this might be exciting for you too. Okay. I'm starting to consider getting a different car. Oh, really? Yeah. I wow. love the Monte Carlo to death. I don't want to get rid of it, but I am I'm looking into options for what kind of car I should get. I don't think I'm going to end up with a Bugatti. Mm-hmm. I looked over the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't quite fit. Yeah, right? Um, but hopefully I get something nice and I'm so – dude, I am so – hyped about this because you know I have never owned a car like the the newest model I've ever owned was a 2008 and even with the pace of technology now things are changing so quickly I'm going to feel like I'm someone from the age of Model Ts mm-hmm. who accidentally walked into the future. Yeah, I mean, know? I've heard people say this, or maybe maybe it's something that we came up with. I don't know. What's that? People, when they get into a car, it feels like you're in a rocket ship or something. Yeah. It looks like you're looking at the, the controls for an airliner because mm-hmm. uh, there's so much more uh, than there was, you know, ten years ago, even in cars. If you look back to, you know, yours is what a 2008? Am I correct? Uh, your, your Monte the, Carlo. The Monte Carlo's an 04. Oh, an 04. Okay, yeah. so it's even even predates that. So look at the dash of that vehicle versus the dash of anything from, let's say, 2015 on. Uh, and I'm just crazy? picking that because it's two years old at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's two years old in 2015. Yeah. And uh, one of the things I noticed, though, because I started to, you know, putt around, look at some different cars and ask ask my buddies, like, how do you feel about the car you have? You mm-hmm. know, basic cursory research. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I noticed is I might 
I might be turning into an old old man style car guy mm-hmm. because I, I feel like I feel like I'm fighting against some technology that is increasingly becoming just standard and not optional, like backup cameras. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah, it's it's. I mean, good luck finding a car without one now. Yeah, and okay, I, maybe that's a little generalization, but but yeah. in two two years from now, good luck finding one without it. Well, that's right. It's a trickle down technology. I right? was you would have appreciated it because I was such a. I was such a curmudgeon. I was so very much like, get off my lawn, because one of my friends was trying to parallel park, and they had one of those backup cameras. Oh, okay. And I thought they were relying too much on the camera, and it was screwing them up. Yeah. And then You're I was cheating. Yeah. Well, I said, why don't you, why don't you just know how to parallel park? Yeah, use your mirrors. Use your mirrors. What's wrong with you? I know. I'm being dragged, kicking and screaming <laughs> into the future. So wish me luck, everyone. And if you have some recommendations for cars that I should look at. I don't know if there's a definite yet. I don't know my timeline, but I'm officially – I'm interested. Uh, real suggestions. Anybody that says a Honda Odyssey will be uh, <laughs> uh, blocked blocked from our email service forever. No, they'll be your new best friend. All right. Well, we are going to we are going to conclude today's episode but not our show. Stay tuned. We will be back with more car stuff. In the meantime, you can find Scott and I on Facebook and you can find us on Twitter. We are Car Stuff HSW. If you would like to learn the ins and outs of starting a Model T, again, we do recommend our podcast and Scott's blog on the subject. Uh, Scott, I think you already said be kind, right? That was 09. That was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. Yeah. So, 09, that's right. Yeah, it was a, it was a long time ago. But you can find it on, you know, carstuffshow.com. It's a, you know, it's a searchable website. You're able to find it. So uh, check it out. And it's, I don't know the length of the show, but um, it's a little bit more in depth about the starting and, and operation of driving. And you can also, while you're on carstuffshow.com, check out every single audio episode that we have ever done. Scott, you might be saying, Ben, you might be saying, uh, I have experience with a Model T. I'm restoring one right now. I know the sort of car you should look into if you're going to get a new car in 2017. But I don't know how to reach you guys directly. We have good news for you. You can send us an email. We are carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids. No plug needed. let's go. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 
with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.